midwife calling. And welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast, where we are watching and recording about each episode of Call the Midwife, one by one, uh, spoiler-free. I'm uh, Jan Moffat. I'm Dr. Paul Moffat, not that kind of doctor. And this week we are watching and talking about the seventh episode of season three of Call the Midwife. This episode was directed by Minky Spiro and written by Harriet Warner. Minky Spiro, uh directed this season finale of the last season and Harriet Warner wrote we saw her last she's written several episodes we saw her last in the third episode of this season which is the one where Trixie is promoted where Jenny is promoted above Trixie right so Jen do you want to tell us about what happens in this episode right yeah let's get into the recap um Jenny returns this is the return of Jenny oh uh, mature Jenny narrates about her grieving was not over, but she needed to return. Cynthia and Sister Julienne deliver a baby to Pamela Saint, while the father of the baby, George, waits to see a light in the window. The baby girl is born in the call, and Cynthia hangs a light in the window for George to know that it's a girl. Jenny is sent to work at the London in the maternity ward. She finds it regimented and cold as usual. Chummy meets her mother for tea and finds that she's moving back to London and that Chummy's parents are going their separate ways. Her mother is awful as usual. Cynthia visits Pamela to check on the baby later and finds her anxious over her milk not coming in. Chummy frantically cleans her home to get ready for her mother to visit, and her and Peter argue about her feeling ashamed of their home. Sheila and Patrick discuss the adoption approval, and he is dismissive of it. Meanwhile, Tom asks Trixie out to dinner, and she hints at a dance. So the voiceover from Mature Jenny tells us that the, I mean, she tells us about separation. Mm -hmm. She lays out that the theme of this episode is going to be, one of the themes of this episode is going to be all about separation. Yes, it very much is. There's beauty and relief in cleaving, and we have... Like, each of the plots is about separation in different ways. Mm -hmm. The other thing, just to, like, I think, get on the table immediately, even though it has only... It has barely been hinted at in this section. But this episode's going to be about separation, and it's also going to be about mental health. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, It is nice to see Jenny back. It uh, is. But she feels different. They very much took this character, or real-life person, really, but to show that she is grieving, she is not the same happy Jenny that we've seen in the past. She's got a heaviness to her. And and to send her to the London is is to show her like she's there, but she's still not quite back. And it's not until the end of the episode that she's fully back. And in the episode about separation, like, she's wants to be back but doesn't want to be back and Mm -hmm. she's deliberately maintaining a separation and that's the point of going to the london she says like i'm just not ready to be actually back all the way and the trixie and cynthia are sad to see her happy to see her back but sad to see her not entirely back Mm -hmm. 
but she says she's just not ready. So separation starts off like we're not, we're trying to unseparate and we're being unsuccessful or we're not really willing to totally unseparate. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I just realized uh, in this first section, when the baby is born, it's born in the call or in the amniotic sac. And for an episode about separation, you have a baby that's coming out very connected mm-hmm. to its mother in a, in a way that often babies aren't. It's a rare, it's a more rare thing to be born completely in the call. But then immediately she does have to be separated. They need to pop it. They need to, you know, there's a... There's connection and there's separation again and again in this in this episode, beginning right at the start with the with the birth. So do you want to talk about Pam and George Saint then? Yeah, they are. I love this beginning with them hanging the light in the window, so yeah. he knows that is a really sweet start to their story, and their story, of course, gets darker and darker from there. But uh, this actress is also in uh, two different shows that I've watched. Um, Bletchley Circle. Which was so good. Which was so good. And Gentleman Jack, which was also so good. Which was also so good. Both of those shows, she plays someone who's rather fragile emotionally and physically. And I'm like, this actress is just like, she's got a face for fragility. <laughs> <laughs> this, her like frettingness in the back half. Really, yeah. Maybe not so much when she's completely paranoid, but the, like, very frettiness is yeah. exactly what she kind of... The energy she gives in Gentleman Jack, for yeah, sure. absolutely, absolutely. So the... On the idea of... set, Like, there's so much with this first introduction of Pam and George Saint uh, connected to separation. He's off on the river so he's physically separated from them but not emotionally separated and we were playing on the idea of separation with him not being able to be there because he's working but he sees the light so they found a way to connect even when they're separate Mm -hmm. and then the what you said about the being born in the call like i was wondering what all to make of rose the baby being born in the call because the emphasis that the dialogue puts is on luck. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a lucky birth and it, there's an irony, right? That's a really, it's an especially lucky birth and they're such a sweet family mm-hmm. and they're connected even though they're separate. And what's going to happen with them is she's going to increasingly be anxious to the point of paranoia and psychosis. Like, it starts off with just anxiety, but then it Mm -hmm. escalates more and more. And that, like, so starting with this lucky birth, and then she's so worried about things being unlucky. And then also starting with this especially connected birth, and then it has to be separated. And then starting with this connected family, even though they're physically separated, they're emotionally connected. And then they become emotionally separated through the course of the episode. Mm -hmm. It's all just we're really playing on connection and separation and on luck. Yeah, absolutely. And on reversals. Mm-hmm. The thing about uh, being born in the call, I can't remember if they say it in the show, but one of the superstitions with it is that uh, you're protected from drowning. Right. And and then the, she gives the call to him to wear to be protected from drowning because he works in the water. And so often, especially in places where people are out on the ocean or out in the sea, 
uh, a cull is a really a protective thing. And so later on, maybe I'll bring this up again, but that it is in Pamela's mind that Rose is protected from drowning, I feel uh. like is sig- significant later on. And I don't know if they spell it out at all, but that was always in the back of my mind they don't, watching they this mention, episode. Uh, Sister Julianne said, does say they give, dry the call and give it to sailors. Yeah. But she doesn't actually spell out to protect them from drowning. That's mm-hmm. subtext. Yeah, because the mermaids burst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So the the first part here sets up quite a few of the plots. This episode is plot heavy. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah, a separate little plot's heavy. So we have Pamela is the main kind of plot of the whole thing. We have Jenny going off to the London and soon she'll meet who she mm-hmm. meets there. We have, And then we have Chummy and her mother. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Chummy and her mother? Yeah. Um Chummy's mother has always been awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Snobby and and uh, cold. very cold, very cold. And that kind of upper class, stiff upper lip Britishness that means coldness. And I know that not every British aristocrat is cold, but it's a very strong stereotype of that. Um, and Chummy is trying so hard. This is so relatable of like, you want to impress your mom, you want to be, to live up to her expectations. And so she does, like, she comes into the tea all like dressed, like Chummy never dresses that fancy Mm -hmm. with her little pillbox hat. And then she crashes into things because Chummy does, yeah, yeah, it's so a Chummy thing to do. And her mother is like. I see that grace does not increase exponentially with age. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, go jump in the Thames. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Chummy's cleaning up her house frantically, like we all do when we have company coming. And she puts away this little cat figurine because somehow it's, you know, representative of... Well, it's tacky. Yeah, it's tacky. Exactly. And she, like... The moment for me, one of the moments for me in this beginning part, they're, they're at tea at the hotel, and Chummy is trying to reach out to her mother, who is not being reached outable to. Mm-hmm. And she invites her to dinner, and her mother sniffs. <laughs> A dinner, an evening of jellied eels. Mm. I think not. And she's so, like, that is, she is so... It's a bit snobby... For sure. But also, like, disappointed in Chummy and who Chummy is. She's disappointed, and she exudes disappointment in who the life that Chummy has chosen for herself. And she'll say this a little bit more textually later in the episode, but even at the beginning, like, it's um, both, and Chummy feels both, and it's, like, painful. It's both, like, jelly deers, eels are beneath me. And there's the subtext that we've seen from Chummy now and then that, like, jelly deals are beneath you. Mm. Right? Yep. And so she's, like, looks down on Chummy, but especially looks down on Peter and the East End and the things mm-hmm. that Chummy loves and wants for herself. Yes, absolutely. And so it, and it's again about separation. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 
when we think of mothers and children and separation and see, you know, Chummy and her mother as an ongoing separation that has began with birth but only uh, increased, right? And her parents have been living in Madeira, which is another country. They've been uh, out in like, it's like an island. Mm -hmm. They've been physically separated. They've been physically very separated for a long time. And then speaking of separation, we hear in this conversation that Chummy's parents are separated. Yes. That Chummy's mother has come back to London for more than a week. She's going to stay. Mm-hmm. And her father is staying in Madeira. And the line that her mother has is, uh, the two lines are, your father has many interests. I was not one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was tired of living alone. Which is, again, this theme of separation, that, like, living with Chummy's father was living alone. Mm-hmm. And separating from him is less alone than being with him. Yep. And she comes to London where she doesn't really want to be with Chummy, but does want to be with Chummy. And she's trying to, like, figure out how to separate herself in a way that will help her grow instead of a way that will stifle her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's interesting how she doesn't see at all the benefit that Chummy has in a husband that loves her, that yeah, is devoted exactly. to her and her ch- and their, the love that their little family of three has. She she wants it, but she just can't even admit it to herself mm-hmm. how that it's a good thing because she's been so it's so ingrained in her that because they don't have money they must not be proper, yeah, or whatever. But it is so, yeah. So particularly, yeah, I mean, this is going to play out through the rest of the episode. But the way that she says she is leaving Chummy's father or has left Chummy's father because she's tired of living alone. And yet she doesn't, uh, isn't able to recognize that for everything that Chummy might not have that she thinks Chummy should have, Chummy is never going to be alone with Peter. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about Dr. Turner and Ashley? Yeah, this is a... This is just like a little blip this in this This is a section. blip. There's not a lot, in, even in the whole episode, but they're still working at their adoption process and they have decided they want to adopt. And so there's a lot to do with that. And Patrick just is on board. He wants to adopt, but he also just like hates all the paperwork. He's too busy for it. It's not... And we find out a little bit more about why later. Um, and... That this is the separateness of Sheila and Patrick, that they have the same goal, but they're they're not on the same page. Yeah. And it's the same with uh, Tom and Trixie. Mm-hmm. Are, they're in this very early courtship phase, and it keeps misfiring, and they're finally going to, like, have a date, but what Trixie wants and what Tom wants are separate, even though they do want to be with each other. Right. So should we move on to the next section? Yes, take us away. Sister Julianne visits Pamela to find her frantically cleaning. Pamela later tells George that Sister Julianne is trying to turn her daughter against her. And George comes to tell Cynthia not to send Sister Julianne anymore. Chummy's mother shows up for dinner and they find that she has been cut off financially from her father. Chummy invites her to stay, offering her their room. 
Jenny helps a mom, Faye, in the maternity ward get ready. She's anxious about her baby, and Jenny is reprimanded for paying extra attention to her. Jenny relates to her patient's grief over the loss of her first baby since she has just experienced loss. Pamela gets more and more anxious about germs, and the midwives arrive to find her boiling everything, including an overheated bath. They call the doctor while Pamela rants incoherently, and Dr. Turner arrives to give her a sedative and tells George that she may have hormonal fluctuations from the birth. Meanwhile, Tom blows off Trixie for their dance date and then confesses to Fred that he can't dance. Fred and Patsy give him a lesson, but Trixie sees Tom leaving with Patsy. Bum, bum, bum. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about uh, Tom, Trixie, Fred, and Patsy first? Yes, absolutely. That... Tom shows up for their date, but says, oh no, I have this parishioner who is in desperate need, and leaves, and then Fred is like... like Trixie does not understanding, by the no, way. No, no, she is not. She is... <laughs> I mean, she's. it's very Trixie. She the just like... dance is not tomorrow. Yeah, Tom today. offers to make put off the date till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the dance isn't tomorrow. Uh, and... So it comes out to Fred that he can't dance, which is adorable. And so Fred offers to teach him. Yeah. <laughs> who Fred, who is good at everything, of course. Of course, of course, he Fred is. can dance. Of course, Fred, Fred can, can dance. Fred can do anything. <laughs> he's not only is he can he do anything. He's also uh, we have seen. A couple of times already, and I love when we really see it, that Fred is like a uh, diehard romantic. Oh, very much so. Very much so. So, like, of course, it's not just that Fred is good at everything. It's like, of course, Fred knows how to dance. Mm -hmm. Fred is like, knows how to dance and like muses poetically about dancing, being like being carried away in the arms. The waltz is a dance of the when you're. It says, you're safe in my arms, my love. And you're just like, oh, Fred, you softy. Yep. And Patsy comes along to help them. And, of course, in, like, a very almost sitcom way, Trixie sees Patsy and Tom leaving the community center and assumes that Tom is going out with Patsy as well. And it's all very... It's a little silly, but... It's a little silly. And, I mean, to jump ahead to the next section, fortunately, that false conflict doesn't last long. It's true, and I like that, that they resolve that quite quickly. Yeah. Um, I like when Pat, when Tom shows up, Patsy says, Fred and Ginger. Yeah, <laughs> Which is exactly. Funny his name's Fred, and she's a ginger. It's yeah, very clever. That was very adorable. I like that. Um, but as you say, like, in addition to all the charming funniness of this, it's like... It's about how Tom and Trixie want, like, want different things at the same time as wanting the same thing. They Mm -hmm. want to be together, but what they want to do when they're together and what being together means to each of them is different. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And so Tom is trying to find a way to change to be with Trixie in the way that Trixie wants him to be because he likes her so much. Mm -hmm. And it's very sweet. Uh, and there's also like, yeah, that's basically what's going on. That is exactly it. 
let's go to to Jenny. Yeah. Before we go back to Pamela. Jenny is uh, at the London, which we have seen multiple times, the hospital. Mm-hmm. We don't, I don't think we've ever been in the maternity ward at the London. We haven't. But we've they, been in the men's ward and things. Her supervisor is someone we've seen before. Yes, and someone absolutely. who was like kind of severe the first time but then jenny impressed her mm-hmm. and now she's very warm to jenny yeah exactly i can't remember her i didn't write down her name i did not either the matron <laughs> she uh but as always with this show when the midwives come up against hospital medicine it's always a grading thing it's yep. always hospitals have more rules hospital have hospitals have less personal connections that's one of the core themes of this entire show throughout the run is people need a personal co- connection with their medical provider and that will provide them with the best care yeah and the matron in the hospital kind of says outright i don't i didn't make a note of whether it's in this section but it's at some point she says like if you start getting yourself following through and cross-pollinating from one section to the next, we're in trouble. Mm. We have to keep separate. Your job is to prepare them for delivery. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And that's hard on Jenny does not have what Jenny is. Not only is that not what Jenny's used to, it's not what Jenny likes. Mm-hmm. Right? I even remember this from our oldest birth is we had this same nurse all the way through who was really good and I was close to giving birth, but she was going to be off her shift soon. And she was like, I don't think I'm going to be around. And then it went faster at the end and she was around. And I'm so grateful that she was. It would have been really hard to like have this same nurse all the way along who I like had established as much of a rapport as you can in, you know, 24 hours. And then, or 12 hours probably. And then... Luckily, she was able to be there mm-hmm. because it would have been hard to have a new person step in at the last minute. We have, although the show is like hospitals are impersonal and personal care is important, mm-hmm. it also had one of the, every once in a while it gives us a straight up looking at the audience and giving us a political message of, this is all possible thanks to the NHS, and yes. it wouldn't have been possible without it, and isn't the NHS wonderful? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I can't, the matron says, like, I can't, it astounds me all of this free thanks to the NHS. Yep. Uh, and my mother didn't have this kind of care, mm-hmm. she says. Exactly. So, like, the show is, I, I, I totally agree, it is uh, throughout takes the position that personal care, personal connection to your healthcare giver is better. Mm -hmm. It also is like, the London isn't bad. No, definitely not. We're not critic. We're not really saying the London is a bad thing or a bad place to be. It's just Mm -hmm. not like, it's not best and it's not best for Jenny. Yeah, exactly. It's not best for our characters. Don't thrive in that kind of environment, in the the sterile environment of a, of a hospital. So she makes this connection with uh, Faye, one of the women there, who uh, has lost her earlier child. It was a stillbirth. Mm-hmm. And she is very, very anxious she's going to lose this one. And so we have another anxious mother. Uh, 
this one is anxious pre-birth, yeah. whereas we have Pamela who's anxious post-partum. Uh, and but- Mrs. Rowell says they told her last time that she didn't call a midwife soon enough. Yes, exactly. And so she's very anxious of like, come check on me a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a thing like, man, again, a recurring motif on this show of like, sometimes mothers get blamed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes they don't. Some, our characters never blame mothers. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyway, so she feels guilty. Yeah. And anxious. And Jenny is supportive and tries to reassure her, but is told, you can't. We're not here to indulge. Mm-hmm. You can't check her every time she wants to be checked. There are uh, guidelines. Mm-hmm. And there's other patients that do need her care. So it is. Yeah, I mean, it's not for no reason. It's not exactly. It's not for no reason. There is a reason for why a hospital needs to be like that. But it also is sad. Yes, exactly. But it is good that 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 woman has Jenny, who has recently experienced loss herself, and so is extra sensitive and can relate so much more to uh, someone who has also experienced loss. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about uh, Chummy and her mother a little bit? Yeah, well, Chummy's mother arrives for supper of this, like, Salmon covered in cucumber dish that is she's. That salmon? I don't know. Is it some, trout? some kind of fish. Some kind of fish. Some kind, I guess I don't know why I assume salmon. Because salmon made... and cucumbers are delicious together. <laughs> they are. It feels to me like so that dish is so representative because it looks so much like what someone who can't manage fancy is trying to make fancy, mm-hmm. which is actually worse. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. And like, but that's chummy to a tea. She's been trying. She's been trying, trying to make, so and she's been trying to make food, fancy food from day one. She's she's always she like burns the pies, and you know she's chummy is very much always trying to make fancy food and not succeeding. <laughs> yeah, and her mother says the smallest amount. Smallest amount. Oh, thanks. Um, mm-hmm. But what we don't know at that point, but we do know later on, is that it actually is because she's ill. Yes. she's. It's not entirely, this is the worst thing ever. She's hiding that she's ill. Yeah, and I think that throughout her, like, sniffiness, it can be attributed partly to she's ill and presumably in pain. Mm-hmm. As well as an emotional pain that she... Like, physical pain and her emotional pain. She won't show. Mm-hmm. And that Chummy calls her father and uh, tries to talk to him and learns that her mother's been cut off and her mother's unhappy that Chummy has spoken to her father. I told you not to pry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, again, like, her mother wants to hide her pain. Maybe that's another major theme of this episode, actually. Mm-hmm is pain that's unseen or hidden or unacknowledged. Maybe that's even a a stronger connection than mental health more broadly. Mm -hmm. She says, like, isn't Freddy so nice? And her mother says, I find infant charms somewhat exaggerated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. 
That is just like, in today's world, she would be a child-free person. She would not have had children no, yeah, <laughs> at all. No, in- yeah, indeed. <laughs> she also, like, the other thing that she says when Chummy is talking about how he, she talked to her father, her mother says, let us not poke at wounds we cannot heal. Hmm. And there's, like, that's a statement of, I mean, it's part of why she hides her pain is that it's, you know, what is done. Mm-hmm. But partly there's this sense of vulnerability here and, like, don't poke at wounds you can't heal. She doesn't believe that anything can be done mm-hmm. about it. And so if you can't fix it, it's better to just move forward. It's better to just not focus on something you can't like the only reason to poke at wounds is to heal them yeah right is the in her mind yeah and she doesn't think that chummy could heal anything when chummy can offer her a a place to stay a family that could love her but that's not what she wants it is what she wants it is what she wants oh it's so sad like she's awful and i'm not that sympathetic to her honestly i'm way more sympathetic to chummy than to Mm, her yeah but the like so much of her sadness is Mm self-inflicted because what she wants what she what is hurting her so much emotionally is missing out on what chummy has do you want to talk about Mrs. Saint. Yeah, let's get back to the main, one of the main characters of this episode. Uh, So she is visited, we see her visited multiple times. We have Cynthia visiting and she's stressed out about her milk not being in yet, which Mm -hmm. can take a few days. That's so normal. And then she's stressed, Sister Julianne arrives and she's like, she's moving like a dresser to clean under it, causing her physical stress, which, and, uh, and she's, yeah, frantically cleaning and Sister Julianne says, like, maybe your mother could come, not realizing that she is obviously estranged from her mother in some way. Uh, and then they arrive again and she is boiling everything, including almost boiling the baby. And they've yeah. managed to save the baby before she can uh, scald, her. scald her. But that is where she has gotten much worse. It's so interesting the way that it is incremental. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, like, interesting, I don't know is the right word. It's so... Uh, realistic. Realistic <laughs> and anxiety, like, it causes anxiety in the viewer. The yes, it is, it's exactly. Inc- incremental, that she's so happy the very first time and so, like, full of joy when her when Rose is first born and then she's a little anxious about her milk not coming in. And we've seen that before with other mothers. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Cynthia's like, you don't need to be worried. But that's within usual parameters yeah. of anxiety. Of like, Although she does say in that moment, I don't want to give her any water. We don't know what's in the water. And so there's a little bit of paranoia already at that point. And like, Cynthia's clearly worried. Mm-hmm. But like, it's within parameters that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's your wimple is scaring her. Yeah. And again, Sister Julienne is like, you know, maybe it is, but I'm not taking it off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the 
cinematography in that moment like focuses on the wimple and like the sound effect of it moving and like she's getting more and more irrational Mm -hmm. and then the moving the dresser to dust under it is like she needs she what she is afraid of is not and we see it with the water too i guess Mm -hmm. but what she's afraid of is not where the risk is yeah right it's not just that she has too much fear or paranoia or anxiety. It's also that, like, there is actual risk. Mm-hmm. And we see it with the water because her baby needs liquid. But we really see it with the moving the dresser that, like, you will hurt yourself mm-hmm. and not be able to care for your baby. You need physical rest yep. right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. And then the the uh, there's a moment when... George, like, reaches to say goodbye to the baby and she slaps his hand away. Mm-hmm. Because he's got germs. Germs. He's covered in germs. And then it, in this section, uh, comes to a head. This isn't the worst it gets in the episode, but the worst it gets in this section is, like, she has this scalding water that she's about to, like, burn her baby. Mm-hmm. And that's when they're like, call the doctor. Yeah. Dr. Turner gives a, a rough diagnosis of uh, perpual psychosis, which we would call now as postpartum. Postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis are distinct things from each other. And so a lot of women have postpartum depression where they're really struggling post-birth. But postpartum psychosis is where you have women who hurt their child post-birth, yeah. is where they're, they have an actual breakdown. And in the, you know, for this being in the 50s, it's not quite understood as deeply as it is now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was, but Dr. Turner knows that, like, it's to do with the hormonal fluctuations and whatnot, and he's sympathetic, but the husband is just like, she's not a crazy person what is you know the the stigma of mental health in general and of postpartum mental health in particular Mm -hmm. we see here and we're gonna see it again in the next section that like george is very resistant to getting her help because needing mental health help is shameful yes exactly Mm mm-hmm and in and we see elsewhere and his neighbors like, will in know his and yeah, everything like it's not just him and it's connected back to uh chummy's mother not wanting to tell chummy that she's lonely and uh broke mm-hmm. because that's also shameful and so they're both like this idea of wanting to hide their pain and hide their need and hide the they can't you can't get help if you don't admit that you need help uh but admitting you need help is shameful mm-hmm. it's just like such a horrible trap it is and i'm glad that things are better these days but they're not like there still is so much stigma around mental health mm-hmm. but i appreciate that things have uh especially postpartum depression is a phrase that we are very aware of now yeah though even now postpartum depression as you said is 
relatively well-known popularly, but postpartum psychosis is much more rare. uh, Mm -hmm. And therefore, you know, like being the, I feel like the attitude that like, well, being weirdly sad that I can understand actually hurting your baby makes you a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That is uh, very difficult for anyone to understand. Yeah, including, and I including myself. Yeah, same. Yeah. Like, I can't pretend. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next section. Uh, Jenny assures her patient, Faye, that she will be with her at delivery, but then makes gets in trouble for making promises. When she goes into labor, Jenny must leave for her shift while they take her off for a C-section. Trixie confronts Patsy, who tells her about Tom's dance trouble, and Patsy says that Tom is not her type. <laughs> George comes home to find Pamela gone, and Sister Julienne finds her standing at the dock holding her baby. She stands on the rail, and Sister Julienne talks her down, taking the baby and then stopping Pamela from jumping. She's sent to a mental hospital, and George is taught how to take care for the baby. Later, the nurses discuss that she'll receive electroconvulsive therapy. Her and George both struggle separately, and the baby is sent to live with an aunt. Jenny returns to work to find Faye thinking that her baby has died, but Jenny reassures her that she has a healthy son. She sneaks into the nursery and takes the baby to Faye. Later, she quits the hospital to go back where she can stay with her patients through the whole birth experience. This is the crux of the episode. Uh, yeah, do you want to start with Jenny? Yeah, let's talk about Jenny. Jenny, uh, her patient is suddenly in distress, and Jenny is like, I'll stay with you, I'll stay with you, but her shift is over. And she is sent home, and she can't defy that. The matron says, you're not here to involve yourself in the lives of others. Oof. And she says... Isn't that why you stepped away from district midwifery? Mm-hmm. So, like, making really text, making really clear that, like, if you want to get all involved in people's lives, that's what district midwifery is for. In the hospital, you're on a shift, mm-hmm. and you have a f- ward, and you stay where you're supposed to, and patients and move in and out. Yep. And that, like... If you wanted to be involved with, and we, I mean, and Jenny realizes that herself, and I have to, and does decide to return to district midwifery for exactly that reason, but, like, you're not here to involve yourselves in the lives of others. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a hard thing for Jenny to hear, because she is here to involve yeah, herself in the exactly. lives of others. <laughs> Clearly. But it's true that she came there to be able to go and, and leave for a shift, but it turns out that's not where her heart is. And then when she comes back, though, and Faye hasn't been told that her baby is safe and healthy, she's, like, recovering from surgery and just assumes that her she's lost her baby and no one told her. That's awful. Awful. And that is a thing that would happen, that they would get, that doctors would get so focused on them as separate entities that they'd forget to tell the mother. Yeah. And keep them in a separate nursery. I love that she sneaks her out to yeah. see her. It was that was a beautiful, beautiful moment when she met her her son. It was beautiful. Yeah. And uh, let's just touch on the resolution of 
Trixie and Patsy briefly yes. that um, Patsy Patsy is hurt that Trixie would ever assume that she would go behind exactly, her back. Exactly, exactly. As she should be. So this is quickly resolved, even within the episode, it's within a couple of scenes that this is resolved. Yeah. And, and it's resolved, I love Trixie. Patsy is so just like, this is what's going on, and this is how it is, and how I feel about it, and how you f- should feel about it. And just mm-hmm. like puts everything on the table. Yep. There's no like... Misunderstanding, misunderstanding at that point. At that point. Mm-hmm. And what there isn't a misunderstanding about, uh, though it is subtle, is Trixie be- is Patsy saying, he's not my type. There's certain things he lacks and certain things he has too much of. And it's, uh, for those in the know, Patsy is not attracted to men. And that becomes... I thought we were spoiler-free. We're spoiler-free, but I mean, it's <laughs> what she says is pretty... I don't know. If you know, it's very clear what very she's saying. Very clear what she's saying. It's hard to... If you don't know, it's she's being a little bit like, what are you talking about, I guess. I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess we don't... Trixie doesn't react at all to that, so she might not have caught on, but... I don't think Trixie caught on. I think viewers... Hears that and is like, hmm. Anyways, <laughs> really? Trixie is... Anyway. I mean, Patsy is not interested in Tom at all. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is hilarious and adorable. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, here we have, this is the crux of the episode. Pamela goes to jump into the Thames. She is standing on a rail, um, and she goes to jump into the water. It, uh, I, the, What I said before about being born in the call protects her child is I wonder whether there is some... Uh, you know, she has psychosis that she thinks, you know, I can jump and my baby will actually be fine and we'll jump together and, you know, be mermaid. Like, it's just, she's I mean, none fixated. of that is text, but that's, yeah. Well, this she's been be fixated all along on the, wa- the river. The river is where the clean water is. And mm. the water that she was going to scald Rose with was, wa- was river water. Yeah. She was like, the tap water is not safe because of what the council does to it. But the river, the river is where it's good and safe and like, is that because of the, is that fixation because of the call? I think that's a really good call <laughs> on your part. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, that's where George spends all his time exactly. when he's away from them. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's kind of a so vaguely associated in her mind with, like, safety and happiness on the river. Yeah. Although, oh, man, is that water not... No. Clean. It's so, so unclean. It's donut clean. <laughs> like, I mean, I know this is really beside the point, but wow, is that, like, very much not someplace you want to swim? <laughs> no. The Let Thames alone is take like, a brand new baby. The Thames is, like, famously not a clean river. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it has a lot of, like, oily ships on it, so. It start this whole uh, exchange, this whole event with George and Pamela and Rose starts with her like ranting paranoid and George clearly doesn't know what to do and he says I'll go get you some fish and chips and mm-hmm. me watching it I was like don't leave her 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 yeah. uh, but like he doesn't he he has no idea what to do he has no idea what to do I'm yeah. like I just need to go get you some fish and chips that'll help yeah like, and that's a co- like such a common thing with like when your partner goes through a mental health crisis, 
they're not your part. They're not the person you know. Yeah. Like she is, this is not who George is familiar with. And so he just doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to, how to, how to solve this, how to fix this, how to be like, he doesn't have any idea. This whole story is so harrowing. Mm -hmm. Like her stand. I, I know her standing on that rail with the baby is just your heart is in your throat. I love to sister Julianne walks up and she makes the comment about the wimple again. And then she takes it off immediately. Like before she was like, Oh, you know, Oh, I'm going to leave it on. But now she's like, Nope, I'll take it off. I'll do whatever you want. Just like calm down, step down, step down. Your baby is cold. It's not strong enough to be out. The river is like, we can give her a bath. We can clean her. We can give her a bath. Just not in the river. Yeah. Exactly. And then just like, she hands her off and kind of like, confusedly start stepping back up to yeah jump she in. jumped like, she goes back her, to jump herself without the baby oh it's just so yeah harrowing is mm-hmm. the word i gonna stick with yeah and uh and then george has to learn to care for the baby we have a few kind of montage shots of him preparing bottles but then we hear not long after that like the baby's been sent to live with an aunt yeah because I mean, he also works. Like he can't stay home with a baby. Yeah, frankly, I mean, that, like, that, practically that speaking, they the way that it's shot makes it seem like he's not up to bottling and uh, swaddling. But been behind the scenes, like he can't take her with him on the river. Yeah, exactly. She has to be with someone. Yeah, <laughs> she can't, he can't take care of her by himself and still be working and he has to be working yeah and so pamela is given uh electro shock therapy for which was a still is i shouldn't even say was it is uh something people do for depression much more common back then than it is now but it is still used and it it is it does work Mm -hmm. somehow i don't know it's but it is often portrayed in media as very like a medieval torture kind of way. They didn't but... have electricity in the <laughs> Middle Ages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I said the word medieval. It, uh... <laughs> I know it's your specialty. <laughs> it's really not a medieval. Okay, but go okay. on. <laughs> anyway, it's, it looks like a form of torture. I won't say the word medieval. It looks like a form of torture. It does. And we and... have... I mean, like, we hear that she's recovered from the psychosis, but is still in a deep depression. Yeah. And because so she the, doesn't have her baby. I know. And, like, oh. the shock therapy is treating her depression. The psychosis she kind of recovered from. I wasn't totally clear. Mm-hmm. But they do say, like, she shifts from paranoia and psychosis just into deep depression and mm-hmm. listlessness. Yeah. And that's what the shock therapy is. Uh, meant to be treating Mm -hmm. it's interesting when i thought like when i first started watching this episode i remembered this is what happened in it but in my mind that whole scene at the river happened near the end of the episode but it really doesn't it happens right in the middle because Mm -hmm. it really shows the after effects of it and her going into the mental hospital and and everything about that instead of it's one of the things i really like about this episode Mm -hmm. is that that moment of crisis is not the end of her story yeah and that her stepping down and handing the baby to sister julienne is not like oh all better now yeah 
that the back half of her story is about kind of coping with both the like mental health and also the kind of emotional consequences of that. Mm-hmm. So like, Absolutely. what now? For her and for George. Mm-hmm. All right. So to wrap things up, the Turners have a visit from an adoption agency who unearthed a secret from Patrick's past that he spent time in a mental hospital after the war. Sheila is extremely angry that he didn't tell her. Trixie invites Tom out on a date and they dance in an alley outside the jazz club. Chummy's mother decries Peter for not signing Freddie up for private school, but Chummy defends her family. Later, Chummy's mother collapses and Peter calls Chummy to let her know she is ill. It turns out she has terminal cancer and has been hiding it. Jenny returns to Nanatus properly, much the joy of other midwives. George finally visits Pamela in the mental hospital with their child, and she gets to go home. Mature Jenny closes the show, narrating about invisible wounds being the hardest to heal. Should we start with... Where do you want to start? (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with Chummy and Lady Brown. Yeah. She, uh... Lady Brown, like, complains about Peter and Peter not providing well enough with slightly, like, slightly less than in so many words, you're not good enough for Chummy because you don't make enough money. Yeah, absolutely. Like, only very slightly less than those words, and yeah. certainly that idea. Mm-hmm. And Chummy finally has had enough and kicks her mother out and puts the cat back on the mental place. Yes. <laughs> Aggressively puts the cat up. That's adorable. Um, I like to when Chummy is like the the crux of it is talking about private school, and Chummy is like, "Well, we could scrimp and save, send him to private school." And Peter starts interrupting her, and Chummy is like, "No, we could, and have him be cold and raised by strangers, raised and, by cold and distant people who want him to be cold and distant so that he won't cry himself to sleep at night." Yeah, exactly. Oh. Which is obviously what she went through as a child. Yeah. So I like that she starts off with, you know, we could do this. And it's Peter's and, worried. And Peter's worried that, like, you really think we should. And, and then she goes on to, like, no, but we won't because it's awful. Or what was awful for me. We believe, despite what you think, that his best start is with us. Mm-hmm. So... I love her standing up to her mother and defending herself. Mm-hmm. But it's so this uh, catch 22 is maybe not quite the word, but like she finally like goes, I'm going to stand up for myself and say what I think to my mother. And then immediately, Oh, she's dying. Yeah. <laughs> she's not even conscious the next time she sees her. And so then there's the guilt of that. And but <sighs> more the, the sympathy of, she didn't tell anyone how much pain she was in, which is, we've been talking about this for the whole episode, so we don't need to rehash over and over. Yeah, but and how Chum even has a is. line, like, to be in so much pain and to have said nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, George and Pamela, we have the ending to this story where she has been in the mental hospital for an unspecified amount of time. It seems like a while. So the baby's still very baby. The baby's still very baby. So, I mean, like, let's say a month. Yeah. Um, 
Or so. Or so. And he, Sister Julianne talks to George and he is convinced to go there. And once he does, then they can start to repair and she eventually can go home. Sister Julianne says to George, you didn't lose your daughter. You must not lose your wife. Exactly. Exactly. That the danger isn't over. Mm-hmm. And that they have to, like, George has to overcome his, overcome the stigma of mental illness. Mm-hmm. To bring Rose to visit her mother in a mental hospital, like, he has to come to the choice, make the choice that that's less bad than losing his, his wife. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's, like, not a choice that he makes. It's not a choice that he's able to make thoughtlessly, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It takes some work. But he finally does bring her. And she's recovering thanks to electricity and the marvel of electricity. <laughs> I guess. The voiceover is yeah. like she lights up like a filament <laughs> when you electrocute her. <laughs> okay. I just don't know enough about that to, no, to comment either. on that, to be honest, because I know that uh, it is still I know used. it's still done and it must work. It sounds scary to me sounds as scary. someone who is not that kind of doctor. Yeah. Um, so this whole thing with the Turners. Yeah. Uh, I... <sighs> As an episode commentary, it bugs me that this is tacked on to this episode. It's it's tacked on because of the mental health thing, but it feels like it is so shortened hmm. when it really deserves a lot more room to breathe. This idea that Dr. Turner, at the very end of the war, went into a mental hospital because he couldn't cope with all the horrors that he had seen as a doctor on the front lines... And somehow that makes him worthy of being judged and not not uh, not worthy of having a baby placed with him because of these like few months. And it's and the they, stigma still is there. Yes. What they textually say is that it's about honesty. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's not quite I don't really believe them. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Sheila is mad. Sheila is mad about the not honesty. Yes, and she should have known. And she's not happy with him. And Mm -hmm. he, and even then, like even in the that conflict, he still won't talk to her about it. He says, "I can't talk about it." And he says, "I've dealt. I've can cope by leaving it behind me," Mm -hmm. which is what I was alluding to before about like you can. Move forward mm-hmm. and leave things behind. Yeah, is one way of. I mean, is what is what Lady Brown's kind of thinks about her problems. It's mm-hmm. like if you can't heal them, then you just leave them behind and go forward. Mm-hmm. And that Doctor Turner is not this stiff upper lip, stiff upper lip person, but he has the same attitude. Really, mm-hmm. what can't be healed just needs to leave it behind and walk forward. And there's no, I can't talk about it. And he's much more emotionally much more on the surface emotionally distraught about it than mm-hmm. uh, Chummy's mom is. But the attitude is the same of like, I don't believe it can be helped. And so I'm not going to think about it or look at it at all. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree that story, like as a reflection on Pam Pamela Saint's story, it is 
I like it. I think it is a good re- a kind of expansion and reflection on that story. Mm-hmm. But since Dr. Turner and Sheila are main characters that we care about, I would have liked it if they had fleshed it out enough for it to be their own story. Yeah. Just a reflection of someone else's. I feel like we could have taken other things, like we could have taken Tom and Trixie out of this episode and had them in it more instead. Had the Turners more in it instead. It's, uh, yeah, I just was a little annoyed that that was so tacked on to it. Invisible wounds are the hardest to heal because they rely upon the love of others. Yes. Is our final thought. And even uh, in a very light way, Tom's inability to dance is kind of an invisible thing that he carries around. And so Trixie takes him to the jazz club and he's like, I just can't go in. And so she's like, okay, we can be not invisible because they're in an alley, but... Let's dance out here instead, and it's sweet. And it's they dance in the, in the alley, and... So romantic. So romantic. The two of them, uh, I said as we were watching it together, the two of them with their dimples, and their, <laughs> their, they make out, like, very adorable they couple. They do, they do. And they are uh, married in real life and yep, have a baby in real life. Yep, I bet you that baby has some dimples. I bet you that baby has dimples. <laughs> All right, so that is the end. What was your favorite part of this episode? That is a tough question mm-hmm. because this, a lot of this episode was fairly harrowing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I want to say it was my favorite. Yeah. Um, what part did you enjoy, maybe? I think I'm going to be like, uh, I, I enjoyed the craft of storytelling so my favorite part was that it we didn't end with pamela having safe down from mm. the river yeah my favorite part is that we followed through on that story yeah which isn't really the in the spirit of your favorite part because no, it's fine. an aspect <laughs> rather than a moment what was your favorite part um i would say i had two that i could say are my favorites i could say like the part where Fred and Patsy are teaching Tom to dance because I always <laughs> like the like the humorous parts too. Mm-hmm. But also the moment where Sister Julienne takes off her wimple oh, yes. when they're at the at the oh. riverside, just it speaks to so much about her character and how earlier she's like, Well, I've made a promise to God to wear this and so I'm I'm just gonna leave it on. But then when the rubber meets the road, of course she's gonna take it off. She's not so like uh rigid that she would leave it on when someone is in distress and that is so much of the heart of the whole show at the heart of sister julienne i just love it and her promise to god is to care for those who need care mm-hmm. right like it's to wear a wimple yeah but that's a lesser promise to god yeah and we see that through her character through the whole show yeah there's a moment with Sister Julianne that we didn't even talk about that I'm going to cheat and call my favorite part so I can talk about it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which is, she says that, that uh, Pamela is afraid of her and she's talking to Sister Monica Joan and Sister Bernadette and she says, I suppose to these young mothers I must be something of a relic. Mm-hmm. And Sister Monica Joan says, we are that great sprawl, the great mass of alchemy. Some are gold and some are base, but you are gold 
and whether they know it or not, the young people need you now more than ever. Hmm. And the like, the stuff about I spent like so long, way longer than is appropriate, trying to find out whether Sister Monica Joan is quoting something mm. when she says that great sprawl, the great mass of alchemy. And I couldn't find anything that she's quoting. Mm-hmm. That idea that like, you're gold. Yeah. And the young people need you more than ever. And it's just a really sweet moment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call that my favorite part. We didn't talk about it, but <laughs> there it is. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Poplar Opinion. You can send us an email with your comments. We always love to chat more about Call the Midwife. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, it's been a long time since we've published anything, but at, in real time for you all, we've published a bunch by now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, we are we had a lot of struggle getting season three out, but we will hopefully continue to get more out. We uh, anyway, we'd love to hear from you. You can talk talk to us on Twitter. Talk to us by email, which is an email address that Paul will say right now. Poplar at clockworksacademy.com. There we go. And clockworksacademy.com is the site of my online school. So if you would like more talking about, uh, speaking of whether the Middle Ages had electricity, (laughs) I offer courses on medieval literature as well as monsters and uh, more things all the time. Uh, If you like the kinds of things that I say about stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and you want to learn, uh, you want to spend some time with me being that kind of doctor that is re- relevant to what I'm talking about, you can check that out at clockworksacademy.com. We'll talk to you again soon. For, as Jan said, for us, it's been so long, but you heard episode six last week, presumably, and you'll hear episode eight next week, presumably. So <laughs> we'll talk to you again very soon. Goodbye for now. I've been Dr. Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat, and that's just my popular opinion. Cut out all that rambling. (laughs) Or maybe it makes us charming. I will exercise my judgment.